Good morning. All right, so Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person Such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. Let us make it our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, and he's dealing with some things there, some sexual immorality and some other debaucheries, and he tells them how to live. And so we can look at that today, and we can learn some of the same things. And I always find it remarkable how 2,000 years ago, they're addressing the same things that we see in our world and our culture today. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we are in a teaching series based on a book by Andy Stanley called Better Decisions and Fewer Regrets. And you can grab this on Amazon. You can get the audio book. It's, there's a link there in the newsletter that we had this morning, and uh, it's a great book. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there as I was preparing this sermon on how you can make better decisions. A lot of it is really silly. Like, listen to your dreams. Um, try to go to sleep thinking about your decision and wake up and you'll know the answer. Like, there's a bunch of stupid stuff out there that the world puts that we need to be careful and say, wait a minute, does this line up with Scripture or not? Because we are Christians, we are children of God. As Paul just told the Ephesians, you're to live differently because you are children of God. So 
this book is biblically based, which I find much more useful to me as a Christian, but also just as a person. So Andy Stanley, he has a, a large church in Atlanta, Georgia, the north part of Atlanta, and um, he's got, I mean, just global um, you know, satellite churches all over the world, very, very impactful. But for me personally, his, he's got a leadership podcast that I've been listening to for a while. Pastor Randy has taught from this, but if you are a leader at work, you can get a lot of great information, a lot of great leadership uh, guidance and tips from Andy Stanley as he leads his service there, but he's, or his entire church ministry, but he really pours his heart into the leaders uh, in our world today with biblical lessons. So, you, you know, check that out. If you're a leader at work or you want to be a leader at work, and you want to get a promotion or something, this is a great resource for you, the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. So check that out. Um, I've definitely found that very useful and very interesting. All right, so all right, so we are talking about better decisions and fewer regrets, and in here we're covering five different questions you need to ask yourself when you're trying to make a decision, to make a wise biblical choice that you won't regret later. And so the, here's the problem. You can't wait until you are going to make a decision to go back and say, wait, what were those five questions I need to ask myself before I make this decision? You need to know what they are ahead of time and maybe even practice going through the decision-making process using these tools, all right? So we're, we're, each week we're talking about one of the different questions and one of the different answers you need to evaluate before you make serious decisions in your life, okay? And before we even talk about that, there are some things we need to agree on. We agree that our decisions are the steering wheel for the direction and the destination of our lives. You are in the driver's seat of your life. Yes, there are things that happen to you, but for the most part, you're the one making decisions for you where your life is going to go. The second thing is this lesson is a universal truth, not for any one person specifically, okay? So these things are biblical truths that we use universally. This is not something that we pick and choose to use in your specific situation only, all right? And you must do some work to overcome the way that you allow you to persuade you, okay? So we can insert me or us into there either way, but we must overcome the way that we allow us to persuade ourselves one choice or another if we're going to rely on God's biblical truth to help us make decisions, okay? All right, so let's give a quick review. Oh, there's one more thing we need to learn, something to learn here, and that is on confirmation bias. We all need to understand what that is because it's affecting our decisions big time. The tendency to interpret new evidence as confirmation of one's existing beliefs or theories. When you take new information, you're not likely to say, oh, well, I guess I'll just change my entire outlook then. No, you're entitled, I mean, you're inclined to interpret that evidence to support what you already believe. And we know this in the political world. You can't take somebody who believes either liberal or conservative and just flip them based on one piece of evidence. They're going to look at that differently to support the way they already believe. So we need to keep that in mind about ourselves and be ready for that and be ready to encounter that. We believe we are making a decision by rationally weighing alternatives when in fact we already have a favorite option that we simply need to justify. So that's how we look at things with our own confirmation bias, okay? All right, so the last three sermons Pastor Randy has 
given us are the first three questions in the book. Number one, the integrity question. It, well, the integrity, the legacy, conscious maturity, and the relationship question. And so what we're talking about today is the maturity question. And when Pastor Randy um, texted me that, he said, hey, the maturity question is what you're going to preach on. Is that the wise choice? And I said, of course that's not the wise choice. Why would you want me to preach about maturity? That you've got the wrong guy. <laughs> but actually... Is that the wise choice is actually the subtitle of the sermon today. So he wasn't even asking me if it was wise or not. He was just telling me what I'm going to be preaching on. So a quick review of where we've been. Let's go to the next slide here. This is the integrity question. What we need to ask ourselves before we get to a point of making a decision is, am I being honest with myself really? Can I look myself in the mirror and the guy I shave with or do makeup with, whichever you do, and come face to face and say, am I being honest with myself or am I deceiving myself about this topic? Whatever, whatever it is that you're deciding. Okay, We'll talk about some of those decisions. The answer you need to give and decide on ahead of time is I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Can we do that? That's really difficult to do. You have to decide ahead of time the truth is what I'm going to face even if it makes me feel bad. Okay, and then the next one was the conscience question. No, the legacy question was next. What story do I want to tell? And this is where we studied about Joseph, the, you know, in, Israel, in uh, Egypt, how he rose from being his father's favorite son all the way into the second of charge of all of Egypt, and that rise and that legacy of his entire family. We need to keep in mind what story do we want to tell about ourselves and decide ahead of time. I will not decide anything that makes me a liar for life, okay? Because these decisions stick with us. Then the third one we talked about was the conscience question. And this is, is there a tension that deserves my attention? And what we decide is I will pause even when I can't pinpoint the cause of my hesitation. Okay, I will pause even though I don't know the cause. I will explore rather than ignore my conscience. Now, I actually hate the word that he, the, the fact that he uses the word conscience there, because when I grew up, we had Jiminy Cricket. Does anybody remember Jiminy Cricket? Is anybody old enough? <laughs> From the 1940s cartoon I watched in the 60s, and Jiminy's Cricket uh, motto was, does anybody remember? Let your conscience be your guide, right? Let your conscience be your guide and do the right thing. And I remember mom, mom's in the audience today, mom would teach me, no, that's not correct. That's taking God out of the equation. The Spirit of God needs to be your guide, not Jiminy Cricket, okay? And not your conscience. So nothing from within, there's universal truths that the Spirit provides. Anyway, that's, I digress talking about that, but that is definitely something that we need to keep in mind, okay? Um, we're not talking about making decisions from your conscience. We're talking about when there's a kick in your spirit about something, you don't need to rush through it. That's your clue to pause and think it through or even just wait. But thinking it through, when you feel a reason to hesitate, you need to take that opportunity to hesitate. All right? So today we're going to talk about maturity. What is the wise thing to do considering my past, my present, and my future what is the wise thing to do? So, 
Here's one thing we need to acknowledge. Don't miss the fact that even if you choose to make great decisions, sometimes those decisions can be made for you and you just have to deal with them. All right, so Joseph Porter talked about this with Pastor Randy and he addressed it last week. A very important thing to look at. If we choose to make great decisions, sometimes there's decisions that were made for you. Even if you can decide things to address it, sometimes you can't. But one thing we do need to make sure is that we need to look at how we react to those things. Now, Charles Swindoll has a great quote. Let's here go forward a couple of slides here. Life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. Now, Pastor shared this the other day, but I want to share the rest of the quote. Okay, this is Charles Swindoll. The longer I live, the more I realize that the impact of my attitude on life. To me, it's more important than facts. It's more important than the past. It's more important than my education, the money, the circumstances, and the failure, the success, than what other people think, say, or do. It is, the, it is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing we have, a choice every day regarding the attitude that we will embrace for that day. That day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. So it is with you. We are all in charge of our attitude. Okay, so let's just be clear that even when things happen to me that I can't control and it's not my decision, I usually can decide how I'm going to react to it, and that's something we need to keep in mind too, all right? So, but for today, for most of what we're going to talk about today is the things that we can control. And so, let, let's go to the next, next one here. You make over 35,000 decisions a day. Did you know that? Every adult makes over 35,000 decisions a day according to several different studies. Now, these can be simple things like what should I eat? In fact, they say you spend three hours a day deciding what to eat. I, that might be true. I know we spent about 30 minutes this morning talking about what to eat for dinner tonight, right? So uh, that may be true. Three hours a day deciding what to eat, so what, what to wear. I know, um, ladies, we might spend a long time deciding what to wear sometimes. Um, men don't really care unless you decide for us. That's definitely preferable. Just tell me what you want me to wear <laughs> instead of making me change. Uh, what should I do today? What should I do with my time? Or more serious things like, should I quit my job? Should I start a new career? Should I go back to school? Should I start a family? Should I get married? All of these things are more serious life decisions, right? And so 35,000 of them a day, including regular old decisions and some big ones. So here's what's really interesting is that a lot of ours are regrets. We make a lot of decisions that we regret. Now, I want to take a second here, and I want you all to take a pause and think about your biggest regret. Don't elbow your husband right now, okay? Think about your biggest regret in life, or, or you know, one of the top ones. And take yourself back to that time. What decision did you make that got you into that? Was it one decision? 
What led up to that decision? Probably a lot more decisions. A lot more unwise decisions. Here, go to the next one. That's one, <laughs> one that I love. I look, no regrets. That's somebody's biggest regret. Made it around the internet. That's an expensive regret. Something you have to live with or maybe change or maybe just keep it and get famous on the internet because we all use that one, that picture. All right, so here, let's go to the next one. Don't miss the fact that your greatest regret was very likely not a single decision. You made a lot of decisions that got you up to that point, at least certainly how it's happened with me. All right, so it's not, I need to decide one thing or another. Like, if you made a regret, if you're young, it's probably going to be at night, it's probably going to be late, it's probably going to be somewhere where you shouldn't have been, it's probably going to be because you didn't listen to your parents and follow their guidance. All of these things build up to putting you in a scenario to make a bad decision, right? And maybe even not all of those things were wrong. They may have just been poor decisions that led you up to making a serious, regrettable decision. So that's what we're talking about today. Not necessarily, do I want to engage in that activity that's going to be extremely regrettable? It's what did led you up to that point? And can we um, take a look at those things that lead us up to those bad scenarios and anticipate what's going to happen by thinking about our approach to making those smaller decisions? Because decisions are like a ripple. Right? So Randy talked about this last week. If you drop a, a pebble into a creek or a water body, the ripples come out and have lots of different effects on different areas. Okay? And I, I want to take that a step further. Has anybody been to my pool? Whenever I'm there, I always do this. I get one of the inner tubes, and I push the water down in the middle of the pool. Right? You all remember? And what did I do after that? I pushed it down again and again on the rhythm of the waves until the entire thing is a raging ocean and water is splashing out all over the place and everybody's trying to float and stay, stay afloat and struggling and it's a lot of fun and nobody's drowned yet. So it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. Well, look, how did I get there? I pushed down on the waves one time and as the water comes back, I timed it right the next time. There's no way to make the pool a raging ocean with one action. It's a series of them, right? And so that's the way our decisions make impacts on our lives. I know all of you know somebody who makes very poor decisions frequently, and their life is probably a wreck. And it wasn't any one decision they made. It's a series of them. Okay, so let's just recognize that. Um, all right, so that, the other thing we need to address, not only is our life made of a series of decisions, but... The next slide here, the unexamined assumptions, okay? We need to recognize we assume some things about our life. If it's not wrong, it's okay. If it's not illegal, it's permissible. If it's not immoral, it's acceptable. If it's not over the line, it's fine, right? So I don't know if you guys have kids or not, but I know that the kids do this all the time. They push the boundaries, right? especially little boys. Uh, they love to push the boundaries on what's acceptable and what's not, and their desire is to live right on the line of acceptable behavior and unacceptable behavior. Why? I guess it's more fun. I don't know. But that's the way they live. And to be honest, a lot of adults live that way too, not necessarily with behavior, but with other things in our life. 
okay, other temptations that we want to pursue and are trying to satisfy something with. So we, we can look at our own life and we struggle with that, but here's the thing, if you look at somebody else's life, it's real easy. You can look at somebody else's decision and decide if it's a good decision or a bad decision or if they're on a path of making a bad decision, right? And I'll tell you what, somebody else is probably looking at your life and looking at your decisions and judging your path. And if you're you know, on the right path, if you're straying away, if you're on, on a, you know, barreling towards the edge of a cliff, right? So we're real good at judging other people. Let's try to get good at judging ourselves, right? So that's what we're, what we're trying to shoot for. Uh, and, and the other thing is we hold these standards differently for ourselves than we do for our kids, right? We are all over our kids. If you're, if you're a smother, as they say, or, or a helicopter mother, you're all over them watching what they're doing, and you would certainly take different standards for yourself. And that's a struggle for me because I'm trying to tell my kids, like, no, don't do that, that's stupid, that's a bad idea, it's a bad purchase, whatever. And then I think back and I was like, I did the exact same thing when I was, right? So buying stuff for, for your car or for your, you know, whatever hobby you've got going, your computer or whatever it is, it's pointless and silly, but I look back and I did the exact same thing. So um, not that it's okay, guys. Just you learn from my mistakes. Don't make them on your own. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, so we deal with if it's legal or illegal. Here's the next slide. If we, we want to walk the line between illegal and illegal, responsible and irresponsible, just five, five miles per hour over, is that okay? Well, it might be fine, but it's probably a bad decision because you're going faster than the car in front of you knows you're coming, okay? So different, different uh, approaches to different scenarios, legal and illegal, responsible and irresponsible, moral and immoral, and ethical and unethical, and we tend to walk the line with that. So here's the great news. God's Word addresses this. In Ephesians, as Paul just read, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, I think we've got it up here, be very careful, is what Paul says to the Ephesians. You have that next one, Colin? Be very careful how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. But there's a lot to unpack right here, actually. He makes it sound really easy. If you want to live a holy life, be wise, not unwise. Sounds really simple. Just do that, right? But hold on a second. What does wise mean? Here, we've got a definition up here. It means having or showing experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And then wisdom, as often we describe that as knowledge rightly applied. Well, I don't know if I'm a nerd or, or what, but I need to know, okay, what is the knowledge I need to know? And then how do I apply it? Like, just because I know some things doesn't mean I know how to apply them to a scenario. So we have to evaluate our knowledge, and that's where this little book comes in, okay? It's going to tell us how to do that. So, what does wisdom look like? Let's look at that real quick. We've got another slide here. Is this, uh, what does wisdom look like? When you picture it, when you Google 
what does wisdom look like? Gandalf comes up. All right, the, the wizard from the Lord of the Rings. I, I guess he's wise. I don't know. Not biblically wise anyways. More like a pagan. But he may, may have maybe perceived as wise. I like this next one, King Solomon, the wisest person on earth, right? The wisest person in the Bible and the richest too because of it. He asked God, or God asked him, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. He didn't say money. He didn't say wisdom. I mean, he didn't say women. He said wisdom. And then he got all the riches and everything else that goes with it. Very wise decision. And God even blessed him with more wisdom. So, very cool. Is this what you need to look like to make wise decisions? Let's be real clear. Even though these guys are wise or perceived as wise, that's not what wisdom looks like. Yes, they are wise. That's not what it means for you and me, thank God, right? Wisdom means consistently pursuing knowledge and applying it with good judgment. Consistently seeking knowledge. We've got another slide here and applying it with good judgment. All right, so it means constantly making smaller good decisions that lead ultimately to a great life. People ask all the time, how do you have a great life? Well, it doesn't just happen. It's not one thing. It's a whole bunch of small things, and it's day after day of making good wise decisions on a small scale that all lead up to something much bigger, okay? And that's great news for me because I feel like I can do that, right? At least I have a chance. And, and I have a lot of opportunities to, to make those things happen. And, and by the way, where does the wisdom begin? The Bible says that too. In Psalm 111, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where we have to start, before we even talk about making other decisions, it's the fear of the Lord. Now, what does fear of the Lord mean? It's just because it's Halloween. I didn't bring that up. It's not that kind of fear. It means reverence, okay? Revering and respecting the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible says that a lot of places. Even Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. To Him be belongs eternal praise. So what does wisdom mean according to Paul? Well, Paul writes to the Ephesians. We go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. He says, be wise, making the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity. So what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about time. Time. Have any of your poor decisions ever wasted your time? Have you ever wanted to go back and get that time back? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? We waste so much time. We, we Netflix and chill all day long and be entertained, which entertainment's valuable, I'm not saying it's not. But man, how much time do we waste as people these days? And what's interesting is it's the only thing you can't get back. Once it's gone, there's no ransoming that time. There's no taking that time back to redo something. You can't get a redo button. You don't get a rewind button. So Paul is addressing something here that impacts everything. Your time impacts every decision you make. Okay? So it transcends all the rest of the actions. Okay? And he says, 
Uh, because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. So, if you, you can actually interpret the Greek here making the most of every opportunity as actually ransoming time. Ran- getting that back. And what's really cool about that is Paul is saying, you still have opportunities. You've made bad decisions. You've lost that time. But you still have an opportunity now to make good decisions and live wise as unwise, making you the making the use of the opportunities you have left. All right? So I find that interesting about the days are evil. The days are evil. He's addressing the fact that there's evil in their culture. And we need to take the opportunity to, to not go down those paths and live as wise. It's like he took, you take those words straight out of Scripture and apply them in our world today, as you can with all Scripture, but this one especially, like, because the days are evil. What does that mean? Well, it means you've got to watch out for things in your life. The devil is on overtime right now, y'all. We're living in the last days. We've got to be especially careful. With the, 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 I mean, there's always been evil in the world, but today it's even worse, it seems like. With the Internet age, every temptation is amplified in our world. The Internet is not evil but the, the devil certainly uses it for evil purposes, right? Social media is not evil. It's cool to stay connected with family and things like that, but the devil certainly uses it for evil, for internet bullying, for you know, spreading misinformation, for all kinds of things, for rumors, for putting people down, for spreading gossip, all kinds of stuff. It's a tool that can be used for good, and it can also be used for evil, and it can be amplified in either one of those directions. So we have to be even more careful today than the Ephesians that Paul was talking to back then. And we live in a culture just like their culture that has evil things in it, evil temptations, and there's somebody that wants you to spend time or money trying to satisfy something in you that's itching to be satisfied. Okay? And we have to be real careful of that. Put yourself first. We hear that so much. There's an app all over Twitter. I keep seeing the ads for it. So, you know, support yourself. They cross out support someone. They cross out someone and say support yourself. Okay? What an abomination. Why would I want to spend money supporting myself when I do that all day long I don't need more of that I need to support somebody else I need to pour into other people as Jesus lived the example of the people around us that's what we're supposed to be doing but so many people are spending all this money trying to support themselves because I'm the most important watch out for number one and we hear it all over the place have you ever bought a car before you probably have What do they ask you? Hey, you deserve this car. You look good in this car. And you want people to think you look good right after they're done asking you, uh, what do you want your payment to be? Because I'll make sure and match every dollar of that payment. Never tell them what you want the payment to be, okay? Do the the all-in as if I'm paying cash. And by the way, pay cash. That's better. Save up money. You don't have to worry about a payment and debt and all that. And definitely don't do a fleece. I mean, a lease. Don't do a lease. Those are the worst ways to buy a car. All right, more on that later. (laughs) 
uh, I digress again. All right, so let's watch out for culture. Culture compels us to satisfy unquenchable appetites every time you look around the corner, okay? So we have to be on guard, be on guard for these things, okay? So Paul also addresses this somewhere else. He addresses it in Romans. We have a slide on that. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul is dealing with the culture in Rome. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, which is an important statement, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. God had mercy on us and gave Jesus as a sacrifice for us. So in light of his mercy, we need to offer our bodies in return as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You want to worship God? Live a holy life. And how do you do it? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hold on a second. We just talked about evaluating God's will back in Ephesians. Let's go to the next slide. Back in Ephesians. Okay, one more. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, right after he teaches us how to live. So, let's put those two together. One more slide. Ephesians says the days are evil. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will. And then Romans says don't conform to this world. Renew your mind and test and approve what God's will is. The evil days, we need to act a certain way to know what God's will is for our life. This is all connected. And it's connected more than once in different parts of the Bible, both by Paul. So go to the next slide. Don't miss the fact that these things are connected. And if we immerse ourselves in the culture of the world, we will be blinded to God's will. Okay? And the devil uses that specifically to keep us from knowing what God's will is. He uses the culture to keep us from knowing God and from pursuing Him and pursuing His will for our lives. It's what He set out to do is to keep us from uh, you know, doing the purpose that God has set out for us. Okay? Alright, so time to dive into the actual topic of today. That was a long, long setup, but really interesting. We need to be on guard for these decisions as we're making them. So we are going to start evaluating our decisions from three reference points. If we're going to make wise decisions, we have to answer the the wisdom, the um, maturity question. Okay, the maturity question, and that question is: Let's go. We got one more here. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? This is how you decide what's wise for you. You've already decided what's the integrity thing, what's the legacy thing, the conscience question, and now what's the wise thing? Well, you have to evaluate it from your past, from your present circumstances, and then your future hopes and dreams. And how does this decision impact all of those things? Okay? All right, so let's say this together. You ready? One, two, three. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? 
And I want to say that together because I want you guys to like practice saying it because hopefully we'll all be saying it here as we go down the road of life. Okay? So, let's take these one at a time. In light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing for me to do? Take the rest of it out and let's just look at our past experiences. What does that mean? Well, think about some of your past mistakes. Some of the past problems that you've had and evaluate what got you there. You don't have to do this every time you're making a decision, but it is worth evaluating because we need to know what kind of temptations, addictions, attractions, and blind spots we've got in our life. Do we have family baggage coming with us on the road of life? Okay? And we need to evaluate, hey, this decision, you know, maybe I've got addiction in my past. Maybe I've got alcoholism in my past and I've overcome that. Then why am I going to go to the bar on Friday night with my buddies? Right? I'm not going to do that and just hope that I can resist. You know, you need to address things in your past to know what other things to avoid. Okay? So, what got you in trouble yesterday, last year? Are you predisposed for some things? I, I, I love this one. Financial decisions can be impacted so much on your past. If you've ever taken Dave Ramsey, you evaluated whether you were the nerd in the relationship or the free spirit. Okay? Remember? If you are the free spirit, then you probably don't need to go on a shopping spree. Okay? You need to have a budget. You need to have some discipline in your life. And so don't make that decision to go on a shopping spree with your friends one day for Christmas. You probably need to, if you're going to do that, set some parameters and be anticipating some of the weaknesses that you have, okay? If you're a nerd and you're super serious about the budget, you probably shouldn't be the only one planning your vacation and deciding what to do because nobody will have any fun, all right? Because at least that's how it would be if, if I planned it. So take those things into account. Your past, your tendencies, and the things that you've come through come out up, but also your personality traits, Okay? your past experience. So that's what it means to take into account our past experience. All right, the next one that we need to take into account is our current circumstances. Now this one can be really impactful. In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing for me to do? Because your current circumstances vary. Let's go to this next one. They, there's all kinds of different things. What is the emotion you're currently feeling? Are you frustrated? Are you feeling happy, sad, hurt? Do you have pain? Are you feeling betrayed by your relationship? That will certainly affect the decisions you make in the next relationship, right? And they may not be totally the wise decision to make because you're basing your decision whether to date this person or not date this person based on a past pain that maybe you haven't dealt with yet. If you're feeling desperation, especially financially, financially desperate people make the worst financial decisions out of anybody, right? Because they don't have any kind of buffer to keep them from the impacts of life. So they're, they're the ones getting the title loans and doing the really poor decisions that get them into more trouble later. All right, there's nothing against a, you know, getting a single loan or anything like that, but when you do it, it makes a ripple effect when you do it over and over and over again and puts you in real financial trouble. But we need to keep that in mind too. If you're desperate for companionship, if you're really lonely, you might find yourself 
dating somebody or going somewhere with someone that you have no business hanging out with. It's terrible for you. And they could make you make decisions that are really regrettable because you're desperate for companionship. So just evaluate these things and say, where am I coming from where, you know, internally in my current circumstances when I'm making these decisions? So that's the second reference point. And then the third one is our future. Your future hopes and dreams. Okay? Future hopes and dreams. What would, do you want your future to look like? Think about it for just a minute. What do you want your future to look like? Do you want it to be happy and successful and have a nice retirement? Do you want to have lots of grandkids that love you and want to be around you? Do you want your own kids to want to be around each other? And that's not something I think about, honestly, like a lot. I want my kids, when they're in their 20s and 30s, to want to come together and meet together and engage with each other and hang out, right? So how do I make decisions today for my family that supports that dream, that expectation, that hope, okay? So this can be very difficult to do for things that are relational, maybe, you know, emotional, things like that, but... Let's take an example for financial. Let's get real, real practical here. What do you want your financial life to look like in 10 years? You could probably write that down right now on a piece of paper. I want to have this much in the bank. I want to have this spot in my career. I want to advance or I want to be retired or I want my kids to be out of college or I want to be an empty nester. Woohoo! Can't wait. All right? I want my kids to be successful. I want to build them with some good lessons, some successful. I want to build a business and be successful in that. I want to grow to this number. You probably have a financial plan for your business, right, Paul? You've written it all out on paper. Financially, we can do that because it's black and white, but can we do the same relationally? Can we do the same for our marriage? That's a lot harder, isn't it? Where do you want your marriage to be in 10 years? It doesn't just happen. Those things don't just happen by themselves. You have to plan now. And so take your 10-year picture of your marriage into account when you make relationship decisions. That's hard to do. That's, you're talking, we don't have a crystal ball, but you do have expectations and you do have future hopes and dreams. Right? I do. And so I especially need to be real careful in that area. Right? Because that is not something I'm willing to gamble with. My relationships with my family or any of you. Right? So that's really, really important to us. None of us has a 10-year relational picture and we're alone. Right? Nobody thought of, thought, well, I hope I'm sitting alone in, you know, in my own house by myself. You all want to be with people. So this is something we really need to think about, all right, and make our decisions with our future relationships in mind, okay? So it's not, not super easy. All right. So the bottom line here we need to practice making 
making our decisions considering where we're coming from, where our past is, our current position in life. Are we angry? Are we sad? Are we desperate? And then think about the future. What's our future hopes and dreams? And wherever you end up, it will not be because of one decision. It will be a whole series of decisions that will get you there. And we need to think these things through before we start making more decisions and start addressing them, you know, start making those decisions in, you know, taking the rest of these things into consideration, our past, our present, and our future. And also be aware of the persuasion. The world out there and the culture. Be aware of your unexamined assumptions. Okay? It's not wrong to do this. It's not wrong to do that. It's not wrong to speed a little bit here and there. But if you do it all the time, it can lead to more consequences. We tell ourselves, I'm not doing anything wrong. Here's a good one for me. People do it all the time. There's always somebody out there worse than me. You ever heard that one? Well, this person is worse than me, so I'm okay. That's something the devil uses with us a lot. As long as somebody else out there is worse, I'm fine, right? There's always someone that does that more, that, that pursues those things more than me. For me, it's just once in a while. It's not okay. Or I can handle it, all right? If you've got temptations or addictions or things in your past, I can handle it might not be true. It's not illegal, or, or here's what else, God will forgive me, especially with young people. It's okay, God will forgive me later. Now, all of those are mostly true. All right? It may not be illegal, it may not be hurting anyone, and God will forgive you. But it doesn't make it a good idea. These excuses have taken us to a point where we might have stories in our past that we'll never tell. We might have memories that we can't erase. And you, there might be stories that your loved ones should never know about. Right? And that's all because we believed the expectations that we need to examine. Is it just because it's not hurting someone today doesn't mean it's a good decision. All right, so we can do it differently, and we can definitely be prepared. So our big idea for today is wisdom. It comes from consistently making good decisions that consider my past experience, my present circumstances, and my future goals. My past, my present, and my future. Okay, three simple steps, very easy to remember. So these questions are not to stop us from making those big, mistaking decisions. They're to stop us from getting to the point of having to be faced with those. Okay, so keep that in mind. That's what we're talking about today. All right? So imagine, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, going through this stuff, I was like, man, if I knew this stuff when I was younger, I don't know about you, I probably did hear this stuff when I was younger and just didn't listen. So, you young people, teenagers especially, what young adults, well, you know what, everybody, let's keep this in mind. This is biblical, scriptural truth 
that we need to think about, and it can save us from making major mistakes, from having, having major regrets in our life. Nobody wants to go 20 years from now and say, man, in 2022, I made the worst decision of my life, right? Nobody wants to have that expectation. So let's be prepared for it with these very practical things that we can do. Talked about in God's Word 2,000 years ago. Awesome. All right, so it's not too late. We can start now, and Paul says we've still got opportunity. All right, so let's, uh, we do have an audio clip from Andy Stanley himself, so we'll close with that. If you never stop long enough to decide ahead of time where you want to be, you will live your life unaware of the sacrifices necessary to get there. Come on. Everybody, everybody ends up somewhere in life. I recommend you end up somewhere on purpose. And wisdom, wisdom paves the way. When sharing our fourth question with high school and college students, I always encourage them to commit the following little rhyme to memory. It goes like this. There's good and there's bad, but that's not my cue. But rather, what is the wise thing to do? There's good and there's bad, but that's not my cue. But rather, what is the wise thing to do? Don't settle for good. Don't settle for legal, permissible, acceptable, tolerable, not prosecutable, or even normal. If you do, you will eventually find yourself living dangerously close to regret. And you're better than that. You deserve better than that. Your family deserves better than that. If you had been asking this catalytic question all along, you might have avoided your greatest regret. More importantly, if you begin asking this question now, you significantly decrease the chance of that bit of unfortunate history repeating itself. So resist the temptation to hide behind the broad generalities and cultural norms. What is the wise thing for you to do? You are a unique blend of past experiences, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams. Wisdom, Wisdom allows you to customize the decision-making process to your specific professional, financial, and relational aspirations. So don't miss that opportunity. Imagine, imagine how different your life would be right now if you had been processing your options this way from the beginning. Imagine how different your life might look a year from now if this multifaceted question was part of your decision-making grid from this point forward. So ask it. Ask it even if you don't plan to act on it. You owe it to yourself to know. You owe it to the people depending on you as well. So one last time, in light of your past experience, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for you to do?